Good morning, church. It's good to see and be with you. We, we continue today through our, uh, through our series in the Gospel of Luke. Um, and I want to start off with a, a story about a guy named Ernest Shackleton. You may have heard of Ernest Shackleton. He was a, uh, an Antarctic explorer in the early 1900s. And in 1914, uh, he put a, uh, an ad in a London newspaper. And I think this is true. Uh, it's it hard to tell if this is a legend or truth, uh, but let's just say it was true. Uh, he put, he put a, an ad in the, the London newspaper and it said this, men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months, complete darkness, constant danger, safe return, doubtful, honor and recognition in case of success. I I love that. I love that uh, advertisement in the newspaper uh, because he's honest, isn't he? He's not soft selling anything at all. He's not trying to bait and switch someone. Hey, you want to go on a nice Arctic, you know, uh, trip, you know, trip to the Arctic? It'll be fine. It's totally safe. No, he's like, we're probably not going to make it back. Uh, Who's in? He had a lot of interest, actually. Uh, he, ended up t- he ended up putting together a crew uh, of, I think, 28 people on two different boats, uh, and, and they went to Antarctica. And I think in our text today, we see uh, that Jesus is, is honest as well. He gives us four honest stipulations about following him. Um, Jesus isn't soft-selling anyone. Uh, he, he, he's telling us the truth about what it means to follow him, um, and we'll see that uh, today. So let's, let's pray uh, once more, and we'll, we'll dive in uh, to the text. If you would, take a moment to pray for yourself. I pray that you would be open to what, whatever God wants to say to you today through his word. If you would say a prayer for me, that I would be faithful to God's word, that uh, I would be helpful to you. Father, we give you our time. We give you this, our attention now. Uh, would you help us? Would you speak to us? Would you open uh, would you open us up? Would you remove the barriers in our hearts, in our lives? Would you re- remove the distractions in our minds to, to hearing from you, to hearing uh, the, the still small voice, to hearing your spirit uh, and, and what you would have to say to us? Please speak to us, um, and we look forward to that. In the name of Jesus, we ask. Amen. In verse 51, uh, it says, when the days were coming to a close for him to be taken up, he determined to journey to Jerusalem. Uh, Jesus knows uh, that his time on earth is drawing to a close. He, he knows what he came here to do. He's been telling his disciples, I'm going to be betrayed into the hands of men. I'm going to be uh, arrested. I'm going to be crucified. Then I'm going to rise from the dead. Uh, he knew this was going to happen. He knew he would ascend back to the Father. And so he says, he, he, he knows this is coming. The time is coming for him to be taken up. And he, he knows where it needs to happen. He knows where it's going to happen. And that's Jerusalem. And so it says he determined. Many translations say he set his face. There's, a, there's an idiom there. 
Uh, he, he, he was resolute. He, he turned his face and set his face to go to Jerusalem. 52 says he sent messengers ahead of himself and on the way they entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But they did not welcome him because he determined to journey to Jerusalem. The Samaritans and the Jews, uh, ha- there was a lot of tension between them. There was a lot of racial tension between them. Samaritans were, were Jews who had married, in, married Gentiles um, and had children. And so they were, uh, they were not pure Jews. They were half-blood Jews, you could say. Uh, and so uh, there was a lot of tension between them. And there was, a, there was religious tension, there was racial tension. Uh, and so uh, a lot of times Jews wouldn't even travel through Samaria even. Uh, they would go across the Jordan and travel down uh, and, and not have to go through the, the, the region of Samaria. Uh, but, but Jesus doesn't avoid this region. He goes through and, and he's coming and he sends messengers ahead to prepare the way. There would have been a large party that would have, uh, would have overwhelmed you know, the resources of a, of a small village if they weren't ready. And so they went ahead to make preparations. But when the Samaritans found out who Jesus was, that he was a Jew, they, and they found out specifically that he was determined to go to Jerusalem. They found out where he was going. Where's he headed? He's going to Jerusalem. And they said, he can't stay here. He's not welcome. We won't accept him. This was a slap in the face, especially in a culture that's so big on hospitality, welcoming guests, welcoming visitors. They said, no, we won't, we won't accept him. When the disciples, verse 54, James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to consume them? James and John uh, had just seen Elijah on the mountain. Remember Moses and Elijah came and spoke with Jesus in the flesh? And, and so they, they, they've just seen Elijah and, and maybe they're thinking, and we, we've seen that they don't have a real grasp on what the kingdom of God looks like, what Jesus really came to do, what the Messiah, who the Messiah is. They still don't have this clear picture. And so they, they must be thinking kind of Elijah-style ministry, you know? And what, what happened when, when Elijah, when the king sent 50 men to come uh, take Elijah, what happened? Fire came down from heaven, consumed him. Right? It, happened again, it, happened again, it happened again, right? And so they, they're thinking, this is kind of an Elijah-style ministry. We're going to Jerusalem. These are enemies. These are people who are opposing, uh, opposing you, Jesus. Do you want us to just smoke them? And there's some faith there, right? There's like, it, it, they think, if we, if we pray, if we ask God, we can call fire down from heaven. And, and, but, and all it says is Jesus turned and rebuked them. And I just imagine that him, you know, rubbing his eyes. Guys, remember what I said, loving your enemies, praying for those who persecute you, blessing those who curse you. He didn't get any of that. I, right, I didn't come <laughs> for judgment. I came for mercy. In fact, when, when Jesus um, ascends, what does he say? You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We see him minister to the woman at the well in, in the Samaritan village. We see Philip in Acts, right? the deacon Philip. He go, goes to the Samaritans, goes to Samaria and does ministry there. Jesus wants to save these people, not destroy them, even though they reject him. And it says that he rebuked them and they turned and went to another village. They, they move on. But I think here from this example, we see the first honest stipulation. This is the first thing that happens when Jesus determines to, to go to Jerusalem. I'm, a, I'm going. They're starting to make their way. Uh, and, and what happens, first of all, he gets rejected. He gets rejected. He has to teach his disciples, hey, you'll get rejected. That doesn't mean we lash out. We just move on. 
Right? And if you follow Jesus, you will be rejected as well. Now, we, we, we see in verse 57, um, as they were traveling on the road, right? So he's determined to go to Jerusalem. They're moving. They've gotten rejected, but they're still, they're moving. They're on the road. They're on the journey. And we get three short interactions with potential disciples. Now, some people, uh, I think, think of Jesus kind of like an Instagram influencer, right? A social media influencer. I don't know if you know about these people, but the, what they want, what do they want? They want you to follow them. They want you to click follow on their page, right? They, they want a huge audience of people that, who can see what they post every now and then, who they, they can monetize, right? This is their, their uh, shtick. They, they don't care who you are. They don't care what your priorities are. Uh, they, they don't care if you're a robot. They just want you to click the button and follow them. They want to have lots of followers. I think some people see Jesus this way. They think, oh, he just, wants, he just wants followers. Anyone can come, right? He just wants, you know, just, just say the prayer, say you're a Christian, boom, you can be Facebook friends with God. He's got lots of followers. He looks great. It feels good to his ego. But that's not Jesus. And I think we see that from his response here to, to these people. He, he's not going to soft sell them. He's not going to uh, just tell them, hey, come on. Yeah, yeah, come on. No, no it doesn't matter. Whatever you want to do. Yeah, just, 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 just come follow me. No, he, he responds really harshly, seemingly, to them and asks them some hard questions. And I think we see, uh, we see three more really honest stipulations here. Um, it, the first one, it, I, it, well, someone said to him, as they were traveling on the road, someone said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. And that seems like a great thing to say to Jesus, doesn't it? I'll, I'll, wherever you go, I'm there. I'm with you. But Jesus knows what's inside of, of man, right? He, we see that he, he can read hearts and intentions and, and he apparently sees this man hasn't counted the cost. This man doesn't actually know what he's volunteering for. And so he says, verse 58, foxes have dens, birds of the sky have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Right, we, we um, Caroline and I, my wife and I, uh, joke that we're getting old because we uh, have to uh, take our pillows everywhere. You know, we can't just like go into a hotel room and sleep on the hotel pillows. Um, you know, our neck will hurt. We have to bring our own pillow in uh, and, and sleep on it. And that's, we love our comfort, don't we? And that's what Jesus is saying. I don't even have a pillow. Foxes and birds have it better than me. If you're going to follow me, you're going to have to give up your comfort. We may not have a place to sleep. We may get rejected by another village and have to keep moving. We don't even have a place to lay down. The Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And if you come and follow me, you're going to have to give up your comfort. You're going to have to give up the security that you are used to, your regular rhythm and routine. It won't be comfortable if you want to follow me. The next man, verse 59, he said to another, follow me. Lord, the man said, first let me go bury my father. First let me go bury my father. Now this seems like the best excuse you could have, doesn't it? Hey, I need to go to dad's funeral. 
this would have been a, uh, man, this would have been, uh, this is a good thing to do. This is rooted in the law of God to honor your parents, to care for your parents, to take care of them, uh, right? Jesus actually bashes the Pharisees for not taking care of their parents when they get old, like the, the, like the law requires. So um, this is not a bad request, not a sinful thing to want to do. Some commentators uh, say that, you know, that this man, if his father was actually dead currently, uh, he wouldn't have actually, he wouldn't have been present with Jesus to have this conversation. Uh, he would have been busy with all of the preparation. So some think he's saying, uh, my father's old. He's old. He's going to die soon. I need to stay here and care for him until he dies. And then I can come and follow you. So maybe there's a longer, uh, a longer delay implied. But we don't know that. There, the, the Luke just gives us so little. There's so little information here. Regardless, Jesus says something really shocking to him. He told him, verse 60, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and spread the news of the kingdom of God. There's a play on words there. Let the dead, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead, bury the physically dead but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. He's saying that there's a, there's a priority here. There's a priority of life. He's saying there, there's spiritually dead people who can deal with the physically dead people. Right? There, there's, they, can, they can handle those things, but, but there's, there's something that's broken into the world. There's a king and a message that is broken into the world that takes priority even over your family obligations. So go and proclaim the kingdom of God. This is the the third stipulation, that that the kingdom of God, the proclaiming, spreading this news takes priority even over family obligation. And then verse 61, another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go say goodbye to those at my house. And this seems like the easiest one to say, all right, go do that. Meet you back here. We don't know how long of a delay this implied, um, but Jesus answers in verse 62, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. You never can put Jesus in a box. (laughs) You just think you know I was gonna respond and then he just says something like this. He uses a uh, farming analogy. No one puts his hand to the plow. No one starts plowing. You're pulling a plow behind an animal. Uh, and, you, and you have to keep it straight, right? If you're going to plow a straight row, you have to focus. If you, if you look back, right, you're going you're gonna to swerve off. It's like if you're at a carnival. You're playing that little game where you shoot the water into the little target and make the car or the boat or whatever, make the race happen. And how do you, the, the trick to those is you just have to focus so hard on that little target, right? You can't take your eye. If you take your eyes off your friend, then you, you'll inevitably swerve off and miss. Or you have to, there has to be a single-minded focus when following Jesus. There's a, there's a devotion there's a, you can't be distracted. You can't be torn away by other, obligated by other things. We have, you have to have a, a focus. You have to, you won't be fit, you won't be useful otherwise. And this is the, the fourth honest stipulation is that you can't look back. 
You can't look back. It takes everything, a single-minded focus and devotion. So we have these four honest stipulations. Right? You'll be rejected. You'll have to give up your comfort. The, the, spreading the kingdom takes priority in your life. And you can't look back. And I think this is Jesus' advertisement, right? This is his newspaper ad, right? Men and women wanted for hazardous journey. And here, here are the stipulations. Now, we don't know how these men uh, responded, how these potential disciples responded to Jesus. Luke doesn't give it to us. He doesn't give us much information at all. And I think that's intentional, because I think he's throwing it on to the readers. And I think he's saying, oh, how would you respond? How do you respond to the call of Jesus? We aren't called to follow Jesus from uh, Galilee to Jerusalem, uh, you know, to, to travel through Samaria with him uh, as these disciples were. Uh, but Jesus does call us to follow him in 2022 in Houston. And I think these words still warn potential followers of the hazardous journey that we will encounter with him. But we will be rejected. We are strangers and aliens on this world. We don't fit here. This is not our home. We, we would love to be liked and accepted everywhere. And that will not be the case. It's just promise. Everyone who desires to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted Paul tells Timothy, we will be rejected. We will suffer. We will suffer socially. We will suffer vocationally. We will suffer socially, suffer in our relationships. Like we'll suffer in all kinds of ways for our allegiance to Jesus. We're called to give up our comfort in obedience to Jesus. We are so addicted to our comfort, aren't we? We don't even know what it means sometimes to sacrifice. If you look at Christians from other parts of the world, we just seem so soft. I talked to some African refugees you know, here in Houston, at Abba's house. Like, talk to, to people, who, who've, refugees who are here. You know why a lot of African refugees are here in Houston? Because they're Christians. Because they had to leave. They had to flee their country from danger to their lives and the lives of their families. And so to, to, to preach this to them, to say, hey, Jesus calls us to give up our comfort, they would say, yeah, that makes total sense. Right? If, yeah, foxes have dens, birds of the air have nests, the Son of Man has no place, to, I, don't, I don't have any place to lay my head. I don't even know where I'm going to sleep. This is what it means to follow Jesus. And Jesus will call us away from our comfort. Right? He'll call us to, to orient our lives in ways that we wouldn't otherwise it calls us to do things that, that, that seem uncomfortable for him, for his mission. We're called to proclaim the news of a different kingdom, the good news, the gospel. And, and this should take priority in our lives. It, it should take priority even over some family obligation. Right? There, there will be times when God's calling you to something and your family will say, no, you shouldn't do that. You should, you should do this instead. And you'll have to say, listen, I love you, but, but I, have to, this is, I have to do this. 
I, I'm, I, this is my allegiance. God's calling me here. And I don't know what it looks like. I, mean, I don't pretend to know what it looks like for each of us to do this. But isn't that what the implication is here? Isn't this, doesn't this say that proclaiming, spreading the good news should take precedent over family obligation? Like we, can, we can hold up our families. As, and there's such a good thing. There's such a gift from God. We can hold them up as idols. We can say, I will, I will sacrifice everything for my family. Right? No. We sacrifice everything for Jesus. Right? And when we enjoy our families and we love our families, but sometimes they take second seat to Jesus, right? The, the, the problem is this man said, first, right? The last two men, first let me go bury my dad. First let me go say goodbye to those in my house. And Jesus says, no, there's no other first. It's only me. Spreading the good news does take priority, it should take priority in our lives. And Jesus calls us to a single minded devotion. To, to not looking back, right? to not being like, like the middle soils where the gospel comes and, and then a time of testing, right? suffering comes, they fall away. Uh, riches, the cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, the pleasures of life grow up and they choke out the, weed, the plant. And it doesn't bear fruit. We can't be distracted. We have to follow him. This is the call. And I think the question that when you, when you see, see these stipulations, the natural next question is, is it worth it? Is it worth it? And I think to answer that question, you, you have to reckon with Jesus. Right? You, have to, you have to reckon with Jesus. We have more information than these disciples, potential disciples did. We've seen more. And you have to reckon with what, who Jesus is and what he did. And if you, maybe you're sleeping, I get it. Sermons are great things to sleep to. Uh, but if you, you're not listening, you haven't heard anything, just, just hear this, right? You, you have to deal with Jesus, who he is. And here's the reason. Everyone agrees that, that the world is broken, Right? In, in, in human history, there's been a lot of times of optimism where people think, oh man, we're getting better. Uh, you know, education is going to, to make the world, give us world peace. Uh, you know, there's going to be no more wars. Like they, we're, we're, we're ascending as a species. Like there's, there's been periods of optimism and it's like over the last five years, every bubble has been burst, <laughs> right? No one has that anymore. Everyone can look out and go, man, there is evil in the world. And we, we know that, we see that because we've been created by God. Right? There is a good and a holy and a perfect God. If there wasn't, if there wasn't some objective truth, some objective morality, something that was right or wrong, no matter what anyone thought about it, um, then there'd be, no, there'd be no way to say there's evil in the world. There'd be no way to say the Holocaust is wrong, but caring for the poor is right. Now, you can't say that if there's not a standard and we all have that. We have this sense of morality because we've been made and created by God. And if we're honest, we know that the evil is not just out there in the world, but it's in, it's in here. The line dividing good and evil runs through every human heart. Like Alexander Solzhenitsyn said. We, we know that there's evil in here. And when we carry that in, in guilt 
over things we've done. We carry that in shame, ashamed of who we are. But there was a man, a Jewish man 2,000 years ago who claimed to be God, who claimed to come and to, to die for the sins of the world. Right? He said, God loved the world this much that he sent me, his only son, so that if you trust me, you won't have to die for your evil, but you can live forever. You can be forgiven. You can be set free. And he said that. And then he didn't just say it. People say crazy stuff. Then he did it. He died. He was executed. And then he rose from the dead. And then he ascended into heaven. And he still lives today. Right? And you you have to deal with Jesus for this reason. He's breathing. Right? So, so you have to say, hey, Lawson, you're a liar. And Christians throughout the world and those who saw him and spoke to him after he rose, they're all liars. And he's not alive. He's not breathing. He's dead. He's a historical figure. He's not alive. Or he is alive. And what he said was true. And there's grace. And you can be forgiven of all you've done. And you can, you can walk with him. You can live the life you were created to live. You have to deal with Jesus. Historically, as a person, who he is. And personally, I think you have to deal with Jesus. Right? Because you have guilt. You have shame. What are you going to do with it? Where are you going to go? Don't, wouldn't you like to be forgiven of everything? And, and, and Jesus invites you to come to him. He invites you to come. And maybe there's welling up in your heart. Maybe, maybe there, you think, man, I, I, could that be, I, I want that. Could it be true? And it's not easy. It's not easy to follow Jesus. Like these are the stipulations. <laughs> it's not easy. It's not a cakewalk. Doesn't automatically make your life just you know so so uh, you know easy from here on out. No, it's difficult. But even with that, you may be thinking, "I want him. I love him. How could he love me like that?" And if that's the case, we want to talk with you. We want to pray with you. That's what we do. We we share this message. Like you can be reconciled to God. You can be forgiven. And, and then Jesus said to, to share this message and then teach people to obey what Jesus commanded. And that's what we're trying to do. That's what the church is. Like we're here to help each other obey what Jesus commanded. That's what we're trying to do, imperfectly, admittedly. Uh, but that's what we're trying to do. And we'll do that with you. We want to do that together. And, and you have to deal with Jesus. Because listen, if, if that's true, Is it worth it? If it's not true, certainly. If Jesus is a fake, it's certainly not worth it. Why are you even here? Get out of here. Do something fun on Sunday. But if it's true, then it's the most important thing in the world. 
Ernest Shackleton uh, never uh, crossed Antarctica. His, his, his journey, he was trying to be the first person to cross Antarctica on, on land. He was taking two boats to land on both sides and he was gonna cross over. Uh, he never made it. He got 100 miles from, from, his, uh, from where he was gonna land and he, his boat got stuck in packed ice. Uh, and eventually, after several months, it sank and he had to, had to come home. Uh, but but he, he miraculously and really heroically uh, he was able to get all of his men back to safety. You should look up the story. It's pretty crazy. Uh, but he, he was able to, to get all of his men back uh, and he, he's heralded as, as a great leader uh, because uh, you know, his, his men loved him because of his commitment to them and how he was able to save, save them. Um, and Jesus, right, he's, he's our true leader and he's our hero. Think about it. He, 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 he determined to go to Jerusalem. He set his face, right, not for fame, not for money, not for power, not for glory. Why? For love. He, he, out of his commitment to sinners, he went to Jerusalem and he paid the price for your sin and for mine. Right, he gave up, he was rejected. He gave up his comfort. Right, he, he prioritized the kingdom of God. He, he was single-minded in his devotion to Christ, his devotion to, to God. And he gave his life for you and for me. Is it worth it? Is it worth it to follow him? I think so. But that's a question only you can answer.